This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Central Station. If the thought of doing maths makes you feel a bit uneasy, and concepts like combinatorics and graphical relationships sound like another language altogether, then you're definitely not alone. But thankfully, my guest today is doing his bit to help the world understand complex mathematics more easily. Steve Howard comes from a long line of teachers and loves to spend his time at the complex end of maths, helping to prepare students for the jump to university. But he also loves to help teachers and is a presenter of teacher professional development courses for TTA, or Teacher Training Australia. Now, I don't mind maths and kind of enjoyed it at school, although I did have to work hard at it. And this is something that Steve spends a lot of his time convincing his students of as well. They need to work hard at it. I started by asking Steve something that wouldn't frighten me too much, like, uh, what is a real mathematician anyway? Well, it's a great question because I think for everybody, they'd, they'd give a different answer because everybody's passions in mathematics are in completely different areas. Uh, so for me, I, I love that top end, uh, Extension 2 in particular, where, where you're sort of preparing the kids to sort of to gather together all of their mathematical knowledge from year 7 to 12 and, and then, you know, launch off into to university or wherever they're going. So for me, it's that sort of that not only the ability to do the mathematics, which is, I guess, what all a mathematician needs to do, but but as a teacher also the the ability to explain and, and find simpler and, and more elegant ways to explain harder and harder concepts. Uh, for, for, so other people would give a very different answer because I guess their passions and their interests lie in, in very different areas. So, uh, yeah, we'd get we, you could ask a thousand people and get a different, different answer every time, I'd reckon. I reckon most people, when they think about the idea of being a mathematician would probably break out into some kind of a cold sweat. Mm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people. That, and again, it's, it's partly, uh, you know, a cultural thing in that in, in a lot of Western cultures, we don't, like so say, for instance, as a kid, we tend, like we tend to teach our kids like how to read. We'll sit down and mm. read with them, but we don't tend to do maths with them. And other, other cultures are quite different. Uh, they'll, they'll tend to uh, place far more emphasis on the math, mathematics than than the literature. And, uh, and I guess in many ways, the it, it's created, it makes... A lot of people from Western culture is very creative, uh, but perhaps we, you know, we, we don't we don't feel like we can become better at maths just by working harder at it. We, mm. we just have that same sort of same sort of background. Is it because the literacy or the reading is easier than maths? Um, well, I guess it's all subjective. It's it's what what you love. I mean, if you're good at maths, you know, often that'll come easier than the uh, than the than the reading or the, the writing in particular. I guess most of us can read quite well after you know once you reach a certain age. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's more just we we sort of accept that you can either be a maths person or not. Whereas you know we never we never say that oh okay I'm a reading person or I'm a not. You know, if if, if somebody said that to you, you'd just say well read some more, but we never say to somebody who says, oh, they're no good at maths, do some more maths. 
Okay, so, so, yeah, so did it start early for you? So were you the kind of kid who was, you know, sitting at the breakfast table at three years old and, you know, neatly arranging things and counting them and maybe organising your nutrigrains into nice little matrix, matrix <laughs> patterns and that sort of stuff? Is that you? No, 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 not quite in that way, but, yeah, I certainly had a love of numbers and, and the exactness of it. And, uh, and, and like all of us, uh, you know, we've got to have a look at our own family backgrounds and particularly on my father's side of the family maths was always very important uh i come from a long line of teachers and i remember probably when i was about in year six uh, i was overstaying with uh, nan and pop and uh, pop and i played a game of chess or something and after that he taught me trigonometry in year six um so and there was just that expectation that maths is something you just do and you do your best at and, and you keep going until you're better at it uh well, what about those people who say, look, I've, I've been going at it for a while and I'm just not getting any better at it and I just don't think I'm a maths person. I mean, we talk about multiple intelligences. We talk about, oh, I'm, I'm an artistic person. I'm not a logical person or, or you know, all of those kinds of distinctions. Yes, is, yes. Is, it, is maths one of those things where you really do need to be born with a, with a, a thing for maths? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, certainly some people will find it easier than others. Uh, but look... I think it's like anything. I, I, I do a series of study days for, for students around the Central West, and one mm-hmm. of the things I say to them is to think of it, maths, like uh, like doing sport or music or dance or anything like that. The more consistent work you put into it, the better you get. Now, all of us would have some natural limit you know, beyond which we can't go. Like if, if I was to become a dancer, I don't think we'd get very far. <laughs> we, you, you certainly wouldn't be interviewing me as a, as a dancer coach <laughs> or whatever. Um, but Certainly, if I wanted to become a great dancer, I, I, you know, I could become an ordinary dancer, I suppose, <laughs> just simply by putting in the hours of work. And and that's what we don't want to do. I guess a lot of people think that mathematics is a bit like a spectator sport, that you can just watch somebody else do it and then become better at it. But it doesn't work in any other, you know, anything else you do in life. So it doesn't work in maths either. Is it a creative thing? It, can be. And I guess one of the things that, that limits, uh, I guess, our love and our passion for maths is we, we don't say to people that I love maths or I'm passionate about it. We, we almost feel like embarrassed to say that. We we view mathematics as a tool, something that will prefer, perform certain jobs, but we don't sort of think of it as being creative or, 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 you know, something you can really shove your passion in it. In many ways, it's a bit like thinking about all the, the tools you've got in, in your shed. You know, mm. each individual tool itself is just, you know, fairly banal and pointless. But you think of the, the great creative things you could do with a set of woodworking tools or, or any of your other tools. And, and maths is the same. It can take you into these great theoretical worlds or these great practical worlds. Uh, so I think it's... It, 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 in many ways, you're only limited by your own well, your own skill set to start with. You've got to you've got to have all those basics of algebra, etc., down pat first before you can move on. But you, you can create these great, incredible structures, and and quite often they can be just in the mind. But you know, I'd be like uh, reading a sci-fi book or something mm. or other. Something doesn't need to be exist to be beautiful in and of itself. Sure. Now these structures that you talk about and these 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 theoretical things that you create. I mean. When you when you bring that to young people, is that a hard sell? As in, hi, hi, kids. Let me tell you about this great thing I've got in my mind, and it's really amazing. And actually, it's kind of hard to work out because there's some pretty complex stuff involved. But you're going to love it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, look, I, th- I think if you can show them, and, and obviously every group's different. But uh, say a couple of days ago, I had my uh, stage five gifted and talented class, and we started to look at logarithms, and 
I started, and, and we'd done indices and certs earlier in the in the year, and I put up uh, a series of questions on the board, and, and the very last one was uh, something like uh, 5 to the power of x equals 10. And so that they'd solved some above, uh, you know, the first one was something like x plus 6 equals 10, and then they worked out, they just, you know, they got rid of the plus 6 by minusing 6. But they got down to this this last question, and they didn't have a tool to, to undo and get rid of that base. And so they were using trial and error. Now... Once I then showed them how we could solve that very, very simply using logarithms, and they saw the, the point of the tool, you know, it, it became an easy sell then. And we had, uh, yesterday we had our second lesson, and there were there were three kids who'd missed that first lesson. And because they were just coming along and looking at these logarithms, and they had no idea what it, what they were about, you know, you, you just saw that panic set in, mm. because... They had no clue what the rest of us were talking about. All the kids were, all the other kids were fine because they understood what it was and they they saw it as a tool that that undid something else. And yeah, so I think if they can see the point, then you know they can really shoot for the stars eventually. Now you've been teaching maths to students for quite some time. You say you come from a long line yeah. of maths teachers, but now you're trying to help teachers teach maths, and in particular some of the. Uh, the, the technicalities, I suppose, if we can put it that way, of the extension yeah. courses. What, yeah. is, is this idea of explaining maths just something that it just it's just like trying to come out of you so you just have to tell everybody? Is that is that your motivation? Yeah, uh, I guess, see, one of the great, the great things about uh, being able to put all our work on computers these days is, like, if you go back 10, 12 years, something like that, uh, like I was still using a, a chalkboard probably. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> about, about, about 13 years ago, I was still using a chalkboard. And you think what happens at the end of every, when you fill each chalkboard, you just rub it out and all your work's gone yeah. and you've got to reinvent it uh, yeah. again. And that limits how far you can push yourself, your own learning, your own understanding. Now, one of the great things is that, and, and maths is very hard to do on a computer because of the keyboard, because, you know, all the symbols we need just aren't there and you, mm. you've got to adapt. Uh, and so that's why, you know, maths teachers just hate having to type up a test or anything like that. <laughs> Um, so I guess one of the great things about that development, so firstly being able to build up and increase my own work for teaching students, well, the, then the natural progression was to take that further, and particularly in extension two, was to to start pre-recording lessons, and, and then I, you know, started creating study resources, for you know, aimed at students, but to help teachers as well. And and now, as of the end of last year, I started creating these courses for TTA, which were helping teachers. And one of the great things about that is you can go into way more depth mm. on the topic than you can with students, because with students you've got to think okay I've got an hour or 50 minutes whatever it is you've got okay they're going to take you know five minutes to, to get here from their last class um, I can really only spend about 10 minutes or so on examples and explanation before because I want the, the majority of their time to be spent doing questions and I, I guess the great thing about teaching teachers is that they've already got a lot of those basics there and so you can go into the content in a lot greater depth so instead of say have, having two or three examples you can go through eight or ten Hmm. And you can you can get into some really uh, really deep discussions and right. so, uh, yeah, really show them the pressure points. So you are you are you talking to them about like in your courses? Are you talking to them about the the nature of teaching maths, or are you actually talking about the maths itself? Are you actually delving deeper into the mathematical problems, or, or are we talking about pedagogy? 
Yeah. So my particular focus is the maths itself. Uh, okay. So so um, there are other courses that, that tend to to look at you know ways to teach maths, but I'll have a look at a topic. So so for instance, at the moment I'm working on uh, proofs and vectors for extension one and two. Yeah. And um, I don't know, let, let's say a topic mathematical induction. It doesn't matter because some of your readers or listeners won't uh, know about it. But <laughs> of course, ev- well everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Let me, let, let me just be clear on that. Oh, we all know what you mean, of course. Yeah. Induction. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> and and the important thing is delving through and finding every single question type that teachers could come across and explaining the pressure points in each one. So it's really providing teachers with the skills to understand the work themselves so that if they come across a a question in the textbook or or if uh, one of their students says, oh, hang on, I don't get this, what's going on? They've got the the background knowledge to to be able to answer that question and that that confidence to answer the question. So so I guess that's, that's where my passion comes in rather than from the, you know, finding different ways to teach it. It's, it's just the, the pure content. Coming up, I ask Steve about some of the more difficult concepts of maths, which is also the subject of one of his PD courses for teachers. And this is where I commit my first faux pas. It's so complex, I couldn't even say the name of the topic correctly. More on that in a moment. And to hear a lighter side of teaching maths and about connecting with students on a human level, check out my conversation with fellow maths PD presenter Richard Andrew on the subject of being transparent in the classroom. It's a serious subject, but we can have a laugh about it too. Yeah, but I had a pretty major epiphany um, probably in the early 2000s when I discovered there was this idiot in my classroom who was just making my job way much harder than it needed to be. No, seriously, it was... To hear the full interview, make sure you subscribe to Central Station on your favourite podcast app or visit the website, central.com.au slash podcast. I've been having a look through some of your content and there's one word that I have to think very hard about before I say it because I think I'm going to say it incorrectly, but it's <laughs> co- combinatorix. Is that how you say it? Combinatorics, I think, is the, the Oh, combinatorics. <laughs> we, we used to call it uh, permutations and combinations or perms and comms uh, to, right. to say, uh, yes, uh, I guess combinatorics so, is the more, uh, the more overarching term that, that's used elsewhere. Well, pardon me. <laughs> so I just, I looked at that and I thought, yeah, okay, you're starting to lose me here. It's, hook, hook me in with that concept. Well, well, firstly, to, to give you an idea, when the uh, the blurbs about the new syllabuses came out, uh, the blurb from NISA was that it was a new topic, just simply because the name had changed. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it, it wasn't just one or two getting confused. Wow, um, I could change my name and become a whole new person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I guess combinatorics is a... I mean, look, some maths teachers hate it because it's it's such a variable topic. It, like, it's all about logic and each individual question, once somebody explains to you how to work it out, it, it's quite straightforward. But it's probably the topic which has the greatest amount of variation in questions because most other topics, you know, there's three or four different questions, four, three or four different ways you can a- ask a particular uh, topic or, you know, cover that dot point. But look, you can just, there's an almost endless number of questions. And, and the sort of questions they are might be something like, um, 
okay, uh, your name's Colin. How many different ways could we arrange the letters C, O, L, I, and N mm. in a row? And then we look, okay, well, how many ways can we arrange it in a circle? And then we <laughs> go on to have a look at, okay, well, what about Steve? My name, well, there's two E's. How does that change it? And we need to to create simple logical structures to, to remove any double counting. And, and the questions get much more advanced than that. But in many ways, I think it was the it's been the most popular course I've put up so far because even though a lot of it's um, previous content, a lot of the textbooks don't explain it particularly well. Some of the methods they use that you know, I use completely different methods, and I think that they're a lot simpler and people can understand it a lot more easily. So, if it's a question of logic, or if the overarching theme of that is logic, how would you explain to someone like me, uh, or yep. perhaps any of the other listeners? Of course. All of yeah. the other listeners know a lot more about maths than I do. Well, actually, we all know what, we, what, we, what you're talking about, of course. Let's just remember <laughs> that. <laughs> but assuming that there are some people who, who don't understand that concept, and we are talking about the, the overall uh, concept of logic, how do you then describe or give an example as to how that is useful in life? As in, okay, here's the concept, and here's the end result of where that goes. Firstly, I'd start with a more general uh, concept that the the more you can think clearly and logically, then the uh, sorry, I should have should have said the more uh, the more easily you can write down on paper clearly and logically what you're thinking, then the more logical and clearer your thought becomes. Unlike what I'm just raving about now, <laughs> that's what I say. Uh, and and it's so so that whole concept of of writing out an argument clearly and logically so that your audience can understand you is is massively important because. So many people are good at maths, but they're absolute rubbish at explaining things. And so trying to look at any of those proof and reasoning topics, including logic, where we're trying to convince somebody of something and explain it as simply as possible, just those communication skills are massively important. And so I'd start with that. Now, with the... Um, um, with with our, uh, our example there of, um, okay, so arranging the letters of Colin, for instance, mm -hmm. that, that, that starts as a, a fairly basic level and, and we, we can take that much further. Say, say for instance, um, now I can't, this probably won't go out until after um, my year tours have done their trials, so I'll, I'll have to generalise <laughs> this a bit. But a question I made up, I've got two boys uh, sitting extension two uh, next week and one of the questions involves uh, mixing the letters of their first names together. Now, some of those are vowels, some are consonants and then we have a look at you know they play this theoretical game where they they pick at one of the letters out of the uh, the hat and if it's a if it's a vowel they turn one way if it's a consonant they turn another and the question's based on that now again still quite a, th a theoretical problem but it then we then have a look at you know how many how like how, how do we remove multiple counting in when we when we don't want to count the same thing twice mm. It, it, it actually has a, a quite a number of practical applications, but it, it's like it's a fascinating way of, and this is why I think a lot of maths teachers hate it, because <laughs> until you understand it, it can be incredibly frustrating because you come across another question and you're saying, I, I don't know how to approach it. Mm. So when, when we talk about, uh, like you say, you've got students who are sitting this uh, their trials soon, uh, and I yeah. guess the extension courses, they, they sit their trials a lot sooner than other students. Is that how that works? As in the uh, ones who are doing the uh, the kind of the outlier courses? Um, no, no, they all sit it together. It just happens to be the last year that we we're going to be doing it at our school. Oh, okay, right. So yeah, we've, we've been doing some schools do it earlier for for various reasons. Looking forward to the to the future. Then I was at a um, I was at a conference the other day where I was listening to a uh, 
uh, a gentleman talking about the future of education and what the trends are and where it's all going. And uh, uh, he was making comment about some of the largest education uh, platforms or providers or services or things, the Internet of Things, uh, suggesting that classrooms were becoming less and less relevant. How how do you see that working? Well, I think that, you know, there are various trends that that go along and they'll, they'll, they'll go along for a while, but we shouldn't we shouldn't look at some of these trends as continuing forever. They, they sort of be a phase until people react against them. And, and I think fundamentally, life is about people and about the interactions between people. So, you know, we look at these, uh, you know, these fancy ideas and one of the things that you know, that causes big issues and which I think is only a temporary uh, phase is the amount of uh, computers we're using in classrooms, Yeah. Uh, especially with mathematics. Pen and paper is king. They're just mm. just the way the brain operates. And, and it's those human interactions that you get between a, a student and a teacher, which are massively important. Mm. So it's those human interactions which are so important. And, and that's why classrooms in some form will never go away because it's that that you know, a slightly younger person looking at somebody a bit older than them and try to get some wisdom from them while still making their own path in the world. And and so mathematics is only part of that. Mm. Of what, you know, how, how do you become a good human being? That's, that's a part of what we uh, are all about as well. I was looking at some figures recently about uh, the number of students actually doing maths, and this is a New South Wales yep. number. This comes from, yep. the, uh, from the NESA Media Guides. Yep, and yep. Uh, broadly speaking, back in 1995, around about 92% of uh, candidates doing the HSC would, were studying maths. Fast forward to 2016, and the numbers dropped down to about 75%. So that the, yeah, you know, there's yeah. only you know one in four students are saying, "Sorry, I'm not interested anymore." Have yeah. you got a, what's your perspective on that? Well, firstly, this is the old case of lies, damn lies, and statistics, because <laughs> what, there are two other important changes that have occurred over that time that, that have been completely ignored when, when they, you get these sort of articles. The first is we had the um, uh, the Rudd government uh, forcing more students who'd probably be better off dropping out of school and going to TAFE or, or just getting a job. They're forced to stay at school. Now, a lot of those don't want to do the high-level maths, of course, so that incre- increases the group not doing the, the you know the maths yeah. okay so that affects the figure but also there's a lot more subject choice these days than there used to be so that you know students have got a lot greater choice mm. and I think overall they're, they're better off um, so certainly I'd like to see some of the kids who are capable of doing the particularly the high levels of maths push themselves and do it because I think a lot of them are sort of they're taking an easy option because they know maths is hard they don't think that it's also incredibly valuable because, yeah. you know, if you can if you can show your report to an employer and they say you've done a high level of maths and you've done well, whether it be right or wrong, it sort of it gives you a leg up over any other subject. And and particularly extension two, if you've done extension two and done at least reasonably well at it, you know, it, it's giving people an, an indication that you've you've trained your brain to think at a much higher level and therefore you you've added value to yourself. So yeah, so the statistics themselves I wouldn't get too worried about, but yeah, I, I would like to see more of the, the kids pushing themselves. So it's more a matter of training your brain, you think, than actually understanding the maths. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh yeah, definitely. If uh, You can become, certainly to, like even extension two, you can, so long as you've done enough work over enough time, it, it's more about the amount of hours you put in than the ability that you had to start with. Mm. Okay, it's not, you know, you, you, you're not going to get top the state or anything, but 
you can certainly go a lot further than you think you can. And, and it's the same with any subject. You know, if I, if I wasn't a particularly great English student relatively, but if I'd put in more effort, I would have become better at it. Yeah, sure. So the decline that we talk about, uh, and it's often uh, grouped together with the, with the STEM argument, mm. are you the sort of person who would say, well, look, because we have choice, it's better off that students choose what they want to do? Or would you say, well, actually, the choice that we're offering students may not necessarily be as helpful as we think it is because maths is actually really valuable and we shouldn't be encouraging students to do more maths. I think if we've got the appropriate maths courses for particularly for students at the um, you know, at the, at the lower achieving end, uh, there's, a, there's a new uh, pilot numeracy program that uh, is just being rolled out a little bit across the state that a lot of other schools are interested in. Because for these kids who, you know, have been more or less forced to stay at school and they don't want to, what they're really after is is a maths course that will prepare them for their later life. And at the moment, the, the, the you know, the, the lowest in inverted commas uh, senior maths course is still... It's, you know, still quite high on the algebra and a lot of the uh, the topics that the students are never going to touch again. So mm. I think so long as it's appropriate and it, it helps helps them in their future life, whether it's their, their business life or their, their home life, then, yeah, that's great. But if we don't have the courses there ready for them, um, it, it can be a good thing that, that, that some of them don't do maths. Well, Steve, I can just feel the enthusiasm for maths coming through in this, in this call. <laughs> if your students are able to capture any of this, then they're obviously in the right place. It's been so great to talk with you this morning. Great. just want to say thanks so much for your time. Great. Thanks, Colin. It's been a lovely opportunity. You've been listening to Central Station. For more information on Steve's courses with TTA, visit the website tta.edu.au and search for Steve Howard. I'm sure you'll find the courses he offers beneficial and enjoyable. And for all our other episodes, you can subscribe completely for free on your favorite podcast app or visit our website, central.com.au slash podcast. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now.